A few months ago, I preached for the student ministry, and I was sharing with them a concept. We talked about being in the upside down, and we talked about living right side up. And in that series, or in that sermon that night, it kind of stirred me to where I wanted to begin a series today called Right Side Up. Everybody say right side up. I think you can agree with me today that we are living in a world that seems to be upside down. It seems that things are chaotic, things are confusing, things are complicated, seems more and more things are corrupt, crooked, changing, our government is divided, our churches are dry, our families are dysfunctional, and individuals are distraught. Crime rates are up, drug use is up, depression is up, divorce is up. People are angry, people are scared, people are confused, and you wouldn't be alone if you were to ask yourself the question, what is going on? Have you ever asked yourself that question here lately? When you're watching the news and it seems like we're watching science fiction, what is going on? I submit to you today that we are living in a world that is upside down. We're upside down in our thinking, upside down in our believing, upside down in our words and attitudes, Upside down in our decision-making, in our relationships, in our culture. We're upside down in the schoolhouse. We're upside down in the courthouse. We're upside down in the White House. Upside down in the church house. Not only that, I think we're upside down in our house. There are many people today that when we are seeing this upside-down culture, this upside-down world, Many good people, well-meaning people, intelligent people doing their best to take a crack at trying to make an upside-down world upside right again. And, And so you have great people in academics who are saying that if we were to do this, then the world would be right side up again. You have other people maybe in politics that are saying if you vote for me or if you put this party in or if you just, you know, you support my campaign or you line up with these policies or you approve these ideals, then then the world will be right side, right side up again. There are some in sports, some influencers that are saying things. There's no doubt in the media or medicine. They're all doing their best trying to set things straight trying to take an upside-down world and make it right-side-up again. But I submit to you today, in order to change things from upside-down to right-side-up, it's going to take people who are willing to submit themselves under the authority of the kingdom of God. And so... To start this series, we're going to do this in four parts, and I want to talk about four different 
areas. According to the Bible, God gives us four different arenas mentioned that we need to have aligned with the word of God and his kingdom principles. When we are apart from the kingdom principles, we then move into a state of chaos. So the Bible gives us four different arenas. Here they are. The, the, the first one you see is government. The next one is, is church. The next one is family. And the next one is individual. So the Bible teaches that there are four different types of government. There's individual government, family government, church government, and then civil government. All of which, according to the word of God, in order to get a culture right side up again, all four of them need to be in alignment with what the word of God teaches. Now, if you could do me a favor, here's the temptation, is that me and you, this is, this is voting week, right? This is voting week, so the temptation is, in those four different arenas, when we see individual, family, church, and government, we initially think, let's go right to the top, government. We wanna go right to the very top, so everybody jumps way up there and says, yeah, they need to get it right. They need to get things, they need to get things straight. And so we look at the government and we think that they can solve the problems we are facing. So, so I need, we're gonna work our way to the government, but before we get to the government, it's gotta start with us. So, so kingdom thinking versus world thinking. Worldly people who do not, do not have a kingdom value system or a biblical value system, they think from the top down. But kingdom people think from the bottom up. Are you with me? So, so what we're looking at is the outline for the next four weeks. We're gonna be starting from the bottom and working our way up. For all of you that are kind of disappointed and wanted me to beat on the government today, come back in four weeks. We're gonna shred them. No, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. But, but hear me today. The reason we gotta start with us, the reason we gotta start with us, it's simple, because government cannot do for us what only God can do in us. We thank God for government. There's a right place for it. I believe I wouldn't wanna live in any other nation than ours. Amen, everybody? We thank God for government, but hear me today that the government cannot regulate hate, can't stop murder, can't stop racism, can't stop dysfunction, can't stop fatherless homes. The government can't fix what only God can do in us. And so if we start at the bottom, now I want you to look at this, if we start at the bottom and work our way up, instead of working our way down, what happens is we will then, if we're strong individuals, growing in Christ, we'll be strong in our families. We won't have this epidemic of fatherless homes if you had really discipled men. When the, when the individual is strong, 
the family's strong. When the family's strong, the church is strong. And when the church is strong, this is important, the church is to, is to serve as the conscience of our nation. We are to be the, 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 the standard of morality in our world. But as people and families begin to break down, the church begins to break down, and thus having no influence over government. Are you with me? So most people will think we gotta start from the top, and if we can get policies right, and we can get procedures right, and right, and don't get me wrong, we're gonna talk about that in a few weeks. The Bible says blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. But hear me today, we're a nation full of individuals. And once we get our part, stabilized in who God wants us to be, then as a result, the domino effect is that families are stronger, churches are stronger, and our government is stronger. If we're gonna live in an upside down world, we're gonna have to get us right. Can I get a big amen? So a good place, I think, for us to, to, to dig today would be Matthew chapter 11, Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. It says, then Jesus said, come to me. All of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find Rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is, is light. Now, we're talking about living in an upside-down world, a world whose values are falling apart, a world who's normalizing dysfunction, a world what the Bible says calls good evil and evil good. And Jesus begins to inform us that in order to right the wrongs, that in order to bring something that is upside down into right, right side up again, first and foremost, number one, we have to come to me, he says. Come to me. The number one thing to do in an upside down world is come to Jesus. There is nothing on the planet Earth that can change you like Jesus can change you. <laughs> Is there anybody know what I'm talking about? I, I know there's some people in here today that if it wasn't for Jesus, you wouldn't be where you are right now. How many of you remember before you came to Christ, life seemed upside down? You was in a bar upside down, probably physically. You, you were living life upside down, trying to build a family upside down, trying to build a business upside down. But how many of you are grateful for that day when you heard him call your name? You walked down an aisle, you raised your hand, you was in a car and said yes to Jesus, and he could change everything. Praise God, I feel like telling somebody, aren't you grateful that only he can heal you and restore you and deliver you and set you free and all he needs from us, come to me. Believe in me. Now I'm sure there are some people in this room that are like, now pastor, we're at church today. Everybody here believes in Jesus. 
You would think that. You would think that. But I've been amazed how over and over I've been in the lobby and somebody will tell me, I've been coming for three or four weeks and today I raised my hand to give my life to Christ. Let me tell you something today. Just because they go to church doesn't mean they're saved. Just because you sit in here and you look good and fresh and, and you got a great outfit on and even carried your Bible, glory to God. But let me tell you something. I say this all the time and I say it a lot intentionally. I don't say this a lot because I don't have anything else to say. I say this a lot because I need you to get in this, your heart. You know what it is? Good people don't go to heaven. Saved people go to heaven. So just because you're in this room today and just because you go to church doesn't mean you're saved. Well, Pastor Ethan, what does it mean to be saved? How am I saved? I'm glad you asked. We're talking about making things right side up, and the first thing we need to do is, it's as easy as ABCs. Number one we need to do, we need to acknowledge. You need to acknowledge that you're lost. You, you need to be honest before God that you're a sinner. You need to be realistic about where you are in life. You need to know that you are broken and you are lost without him and be honest that you are by default sin sick and total depravity and nothing you could do could ever reach God. Number two, you need to believe. The Bible says if you believe in your heart, you need to believe that Jesus Christ died for you, took your place, should have been you, should have been me, but on Calvary that day, that blood that, was, that ran down the cross was for you and for me. You need to believe. And number three, you need to confess. You need to let everybody know. You need, to, you need to know, the Bible says, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, you shall be saved. There's something about going public with your faith. That's what that means. I'm going public. That's why baptism is such an important part. You should invite people. If you ever get signed up for baptism, I heard it said like this just recently, invite people to come see your funeral. Invite people to come see the old dead man, the old dead woman go down and come up into new life and declaring to the world that I belong to him and he belongs to me and I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. <laughs> Acknowledge, believe, and confess. And here's the great thing. When somebody gives their life to Christ, they don't even gotta do it at a church. You could do it anywhere at any time. You're simply saying, I'm trusting you and nothing else. And the Bible lets us know that he gives us new life and the Bible informs us that we have our sins forgiven, a purpose for living, and a home in heaven when we acknowledge, believe, and confess him as Jesus Christ. Anybody, 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 anybody who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. For some of you, you may have heard that a million times, but there are some people in this room that need to be reminded, don't you walk out of that room without saying yes to Jesus Christ today. And if you're lost, let me tell you something. You are in dangerous territory right now. There is no place the devil wouldn't want you more than in this place. He don't want you in here around a bunch of people who love Jesus and are excited. Can I tell you today, that's why we don't close services around here without giving the opportunity for someone to raise their hand and say yes to Jesus Christ. Because in a room this size, if it's just one, it was worth the 30 seconds. 
If it was just one, it'd be worth the five minutes. Can I get an amen? amen? If it was your son or daughter, you'd want me to take a minute or two. If it was your husband and wife, you would be praying that we would give an opportunity for someone to come to Christ. And if you don't know Jesus today, right at the end of this sermon, I'm going to give you the opportunity to raise your hand and say yes to Jesus. And I'm going to tell you today, when you come to him, he could take upside down life and right side up again. Amen, everybody. So not only does he let us know, come to me, the next thing he informs us is come after me. Notice what he says in the text. He says, take my yoke upon you. Take my yoke upon you. It's an interesting terminology, yoke. You know, we don't talk about yokes much today, but, but here's just a, a small example of what a yoke was in Bible times, and some of you I'm sure have seen it. But what it would be is a, apparatus for two, normally an oxen, set of oxen to go in, their necks would go through these holes, and they would train these oxen to stay in line. They would put this yoke upon the oxen, and it would put them under the influence of the leader. They would be in submission and training. They would be learning their direction. One Jewish teacher named Ray Vanderlyn, he says that in the Bible times, in the Bible times, the word yoke, we would see this in our mind. It's still true, but they would also, in addition to that, teach that a yoke was the belief system of different rabbis and how rabbis would interpret the scriptures. Are you with me? So let's say you have four or five different rabbis in a community, and you were to be a follower of those rabbis, those rabbis would have what they would call a different yoke. They would have a yoke. This is my teaching. This is how I interpret the scriptures. This is how I train my disciples. This is my yoke. So when you decide to follow them, you get up underneath their yoke, their influence. You're in submission, you're under their teaching, you're under their training, they're deciding a direction. In Jesus' time, the Bible lets us know that the Jewish Pharisees and teachers of the law would add so much weight to the people that even Jesus rebuked them and says, you're adding so much pressure to people with the teaching of the law and you don't lift a finger to even make it lighter and you yourself don't even do what you tell them to do. He's saying your yoke is heavy. And Jesus says, once you come to me, you need to come after me by putting my yoke upon you. Now, I know what you're thinking. I'm a little bit confused, Pastor Ethan. What? He talks about a yoke. and This is the idea that Jesus is saying that if anybody will come to me, the next thing they need to do is they need to yoke up with his influence Yoke up with his kingdom principles, get in alignment with his word, get in submission with his kingdom, do things the way God does things, think the way God thinks, get under his influence. He says this, put on, take up my yoke upon you, and then he says, let me teach you. Put this on you. We're talking about right side up. 
Things will never be right side up if you and I don't align ourselves under the teaching and the influence of the word of God. Are you with me? Jesus said it like this, Matthew 16, 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. So what Jesus is saying is that you can come to me, that's salvation, you come after me, that's discipleship. So you come to me to find that, that, to find hope and salvation in me. But then after you have come to me, you have to follow me. Do I have some time here to work? Here's where a lot of us are. We come to church, but we don't follow Jesus. We, we, we like Jesus as a get out of hell free card. We like Jesus to save us, but we don't like Jesus to lead us. How else do you explain Christians living together? Oof, I know, I know. Oof, it hurt, but it felt right. It's right, but it's, it's tight, but it's right, my dad used to say. It's the truth, though. How else do you explain some values that are adopted by Christians that is clearly not biblical, but yet call on Jesus and go to church on Sunday. It's that they have come to Jesus in verse 28, but they are not coming after Jesus in verse 29. Are you with me? Colossians chapter one, verse 13 says, for he has rescued us. He has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgive our sins. So when he says we come into the kingdom, when he, what he's saying here, that when you came to me and you called on my name, I've now moved you into another kingdom. You're no longer in the kingdom of darkness. You're now in the kingdom of his dear son. Okay, now, now think about this. When you were in the kingdom of darkness, you had to live, you lived by the rules and the values and the guidelines and the perspective of the world. But when you came into the kingdom and you called on the name of the Lord, you are now saying to him, I will adjust my lifestyle. Come on, I know it's 2023 and you don't like this, but it's true. I'm gonna adjust me to what you say. I'm now under your lordship. He's not just my savior, he's my Lord. He's not just my savior, He's my, he's my Lord. So when you come into the kingdom, you're now adopting a new set of ideas, beliefs, and behaviors. So, so you're no longer what you were before you came to Christ. The Bible says that we are a new creature in Christ. Behold, all things have passed away. All things have become new. So when you're in the kingdom, when you're under his yoke, when you're being discipled by Jesus, you're not a Republican first. You're kingdom first. You're not a Democrat first. You're kingdom first. You're not Baptist first. You're kingdom first. You're not Methodist first. You're, you're not white first. Someone's like, what? You're not white first, you're kingdom first. You're not black first, you're kingdom first. And the world looks at Vibrant Church, I think. 
and scratches their head and sees all this diversity in our church, and they wonder, how does this happen? Well, how's all these black folks going to this white church is what they'll say. Which, let me stop and say, in the Bible, there's no such thing as a white church and a black church. That's the first thing. Second thing is, people who think like that are still thinking like the world. Because when you're in the kingdom, the Bible says that there are neither Jew nor Gentile. So, so we are not of this world system. Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world, meaning that it's going to confuse the world when they see us worshiping together. Are you with me? So when you see people who are saying, well, that's a white man in the lobby talking to a black man. No, no, no. That's a brother talking to a brother. That's a sister talking to us. That's a brother and a sister. Are you with me? That we're in the, we're in the kingdom other people on the outside may be thinking, you know what, you gotta be stingy, but in the kingdom, the Bible teaches us to give, and it shall be given unto you. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Well, in the world, they wouldn't do that, but that's okay, we ain't in the world. We're in this world, but we're not of this world. We're under a different set of rules and regulations. We're in the kingdom. Am I helping you today? The world says to hold a grudge, but the kingdom says to forgive as kingdomology. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 says, seek first the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you, you need. He goes, you need to come after me. So we're talking about right side up in an upside down world. Jesus says in order to set things straight, you first need to come to me. You need to get washed in the blood. You need your sins forgiven. You need a passport to heaven. You need a purpose for living on this earth. You need a relationship with your creator. Secondly, he says you need to adjust your life to my way of things. You need to come after me. And then he says something crazy. He says, my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. When I hear that, I don't know about you, but sometimes following Jesus ain't easy. Sometimes wearing the yoke that God asks us to wear is not easy. But he says it's easy, and he says it's light. Now, I was thinking about this. I was thinking about how the Bible teaches us. In Luke chapter 15, Jesus tells the parable of the prodigal son. You remember the story? Well, the prodigal son one day comes to his father, Jesus tells the story, and says, Dad, I want everything that belongs to me, and I want to go do what I want to do. I want to get out from under your yoke. You with me? He goes, I love, the, the Bible never says that he doesn't love the father, but he doesn't like the farm. So he says, I want to leave this yoke, and I want to go do what I want to do. I want to live how I want to live. I want to make decisions that I want to make. I want to live according to my impulses and my desires. So the Bible says he leaves home. He bails on the instruction and the protection of his father. He leaves that yoke. When he leaves, the Bible lets us know, Luke chapter 15. And when he had spent everything, 
a severe famine arose in that country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of the country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate and no one gave him anything. Verse 17. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father. This is what happened. The prodigal son leaves home to get out from underneath the yoke. But what he found is when he left underneath the yoke of his father, he found a much burdensome yoke in the world. When you and I walk away from the principles of God, we find ourselves yoked up under something that can control us and break us and shame us. And I'm just helping you today because some of you are wondering why your life feels the way it feels. Could it be that you're insisting on doing things your own way and now you're yoked up to a bondage that controls you and shame and condemnation and pain and wondering and you're frustrated. And then he says, I gotta go back to my father because that burden is light. In other words, your worst day with Jesus is better than your best day in the world. That when you come back to the Father, you'll begin to realize, yes, there will be times you gotta crucify your flesh, and yes, you'll have to apologize, and yes, his word will correct you and teach you, and as you come after him, he'll begin to adjust you and change you, but it's a whole lot better than living in a dark world, in the kingdom of darkness, living with pain and sorrow and depression. How many of you know if you had a thousand lives, you'd give them all to Jesus? The Bible says once he came to himself, so he didn't jump to the top and blame his dad. He didn't jump up to the top and blame the government. He didn't jump up and blame his family here. No, 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 it is, it's me. I came to myself that if God is gonna ever right side up an upside down person, that person has to come to themselves. They have to be honest before God and their, and their selves and say, you know what? I gotta get back to my father. I gotta get under his principles again. I need to get my life straight one more Time. I'm done insisting on doing things my way. And as the team comes, here's what I want you to understand. If you keep on insisting to do things that are out from underneath his influence, out from underneath his kingdom, out from underneath his, world, his word, you will produce a life of chaos. You could have money and have a life of no peace. You can be married and be lonely. You can have a lot of things going, but when you are out from underneath his kingdom rule, you are gonna produce a life of chaos for you. I want you to notice something quickly. The Bible lets us know in verse 28, he says, come. Come. In verse 29, he says, take. In verse 28, it's about salvation. In verse 29, it's about discipleship. 
in verse 28, it just takes faith. In verse 29, it takes surrender. Verse 28 is free, costs you nothing. But verse 29 will cost you everything. Verse 28 is like coming to the master. Verse 29 is being like your master. Simply said, verse 29, 28, he gave his life for us. In verse 29, we give our lives to him. Come to me who are heavy laden. I'll give you rest. Put my yoke and learn from me. In final closing today, one of my favorite stories I've ever heard, and I may have shared it before. I shared it many times on meeting with people. My pastor has shared this hundreds of times. I feel like I've shared it hundreds of times. But it's the story of the father who was in his home one day, and while he was in his house, he's reading the newspaper. And while he's reading the newspaper, his little boy comes in from the outside and says, Dad, would you come please shoot hoops with me? Shoot hoops with me. The dad looks at the newspaper and says, son, I can't right now, I'm busy, I'll do it later. Opens up the newspaper, continues to read. Well, a few moments later, the son comes back, says, father, can you please come out and play basketball with me? Dad looks at him and says, no, son, I'm busy right now. I will later. Some time goes by and the little boy comes back, says, dad, please, I wanna shoot basketball with you, I wanna play. The father Came so irritated that immediately he takes the page out of the newspaper. It's a big picture of the world. Takes the newspaper and he just rips it all up. He says, there you go, son. Here's all the pieces. Once you put the world back together, I'll go outside and play basketball with you. So the little boy takes the pieces. The father thinks he just bought himself a ton of time. Well, in just a few minutes, the boy comes back and had put the whole world back together. And the father said, how did you do that? How did you put the world back together? The little boy said, I didn't put the world back together. He says, Dad, on the other side of the page, there was a silhouette of a man, an advertisement for a suit. And he goes, all I did was put the man back together. And when I put the man back together, I put the world back together. For some of you today, your world is in pieces. Your family's in pieces. Your joy's in pieces. Your heart's in pieces. Your business is in pieces. And can I tell you today, if you let God put the man or the woman back together, he'll put the whole world back together. With eyes closed all over the room, first and foremost, if you don't know Jesus, maybe you've drifted out from underneath his influence, you've gotten away from him, I ask you this question. Would you just surrender once and for all and say yes to him and come to him as he requires of us and ask of us? This invitation has been sent for thousands of years to all of you in this room, to all of you joining us online. If you're in the room today, I want to ask you to do something bold. 
You may be a little uncomfortable, maybe something you've never done, but if you know that I'm talking to you and you say, I need to just come once and for all to Jesus, even if it's just one hand, I'll wait on one hand. But if that's you today, I want to count to three, and I want you to put that hand nice and high so I can see it. It's for heaven and you, but I just want to identify you really quickly. If that's you and you say, I want to give my life to Jesus, I want you to raise your hand right where you are. Thank you for that hand. 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 Thank you for Keep them up for me. Keep them up. Thank you for that hand. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Come on, is there eight? Nine, 10, 11. Come on, people, this is the work of God in the house. 12. Come on, I know there's more than that. Let's give God praise in the house. 12 people saying yes to Jesus, coming to Jesus. Come on, get on your feet. Give God a big praise. Coming to Jesus. They've been coming for thousands of years and they're still coming today. Praise God. All over the room, let's pray this prayer together. If you raised your hand after service, I want to encourage you. Our team has some materials for you at the altar. I want you to come up. Don't be ashamed. I want you to do something. You got to be bold. You got to tell somebody. You got to be, don't be ashamed of it. You just made the greatest decision of your life. You're a new creature today. Walk out of here in faith, knowing that a new day has begun with me, in me. So let's pray this prayer together. Say, dear God, Forgive me of my sin. Wash me clean with your blood. I receive you. I believe in you. Fill me. Not only am I coming to you, but I'm coming after you. In Jesus' name. If you believe it today, put your hands together. Give God a big praise. Come on, let's worship the King all over the room. Today, we will come after you. That we will submit ourselves under your rule, under your reign, under your authority. That we will not just be saved, but we'll be disciples. That if we continue in your word, we will be your disciples indeed. And you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Father, I speak the spirit of discipleship over every person in this room to follow Jesus with everything they got in Jesus' name. Come on, if you believe it today, put your hands together. Come on, how many of you believe God's gonna start writing some things that were upside down? He's gonna start straightening some things out. I wanna say thank you for coming. 
quick reminder that you can give on your way out online or at the doors. We want to thank you for being a part of today. And service is only over if you want it to be over. As our prayer team is coming, they're going to join us across the front. If you're one of the people that said yes to Jesus, please make your way down. We got some materials for you. If you're in here, you need prayer in the hospital. You got a family member needs saved. Whatever it is, we would love to pray with you as we're dismissing today. God bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord show his favor upon you and be merciful to you. May the Lord watch over you and give you perfect peace. God bless you. Vibrant Church. We'll see you next week.